You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 770 CHQR. Welcome back to The Strong Room on 770 CHQR. During a holiday cruise last year, Sherry McMillan talked with some passengers aboard the ship and it got her thinking about some of the implications for those who live part of their year outside Canada. It's a really interesting group, Peter, because they're like all of us, really. Um, They're in retirement and they have affluence and so they desire to see the world. Now, all of us see the world in different budgets and it's typically a desire of all of us during our retirement phase of life. The difference is for those that are affluent at that caliber, what happens is they don't necessarily buy only one recreational property. They may have three or four uh, recreational properties. And we see that with celebrities, for example. Um, And the other thing that I'm observing more often in this group of families is that they also are now giving contemplation, even in Canada and the U.S., about buying, you know, yachts and spending a lot of wealth in those areas in their life because they want to travel and see the world on their own terms. They don't want to be on a cruise ship. They want to enjoy it in the method and timing that they wish to desire. So it's a a new phenomenon because we have, you know, 5% of the population that are uber affluent and this group... Um, have that opportunity and privilege. So I have, for example, a a client specifically that buys a new motorhome every two or three years and the company that produces the motorhome, you can't buy this motorhome for less than a million dollars and they only produce 12 of them a year. So, you know, this is not a small asset. It's a a grand asset. Now, yachts are different in that um, you are porting them somewhere Whereas an RV, for example, you would be bringing back potentially to a property in the U.S. or potentially back into Canada. So depending on where your asset is actually has bearing on your estate plan. So you wouldn't think automatically that your travel plans during retirement can impact your life planning that you're doing with your estate plan, but they it does very dramatically, actually. And so these families need to be well-informed Uh, whilst they enjoy this span of lifespan, because if they don't have the information they require, they could actually end up in hot water with many authorities and, you know, not have planned to do so. So, for example, one of the things that's really interesting is, as everybody knows, um, we have a U.S. estate tax. Now, whether that will be repealed or not by Trump, we don't know. Um, But at present, we certainly do have it. And so if you're very affluent, and you're caught spending too much time in America, um, you could be in a great deal of hot water paying anywhere between 40 to 45% of your state in state tax. And you don't get credit for that in Canada because we don't have such a thing. So, you know, just imagine this scenario. Um, Let's say you are a person that owns a yacht and you decide you'd like to park it in the Mediterranean because it's, Uh, easier for transport and you can travel more in that area. And I do have a few clients, Peter, that select that rather than Vancouver, for example. So if you're parking your boat there, then ultimately, depending on how it's licensed, one of the things that you have to know is you may have an asset in that jurisdiction that we need to contend with 
in your life plan and your legacy plan. Because in your life, let's say you become disabled, well, then who has the authority to transport or sell that asset? Um, It's not automatically a given that if you have documents done in Alberta or Canada that you're covered. We actually may not be because it's parked in Italy, let's say. So this is really important. Now, the one hiccup I think that's happening more and more frequently, especially for those that are, you know, sailing and also for those families that are RVing in this affluent caliber is because they can afford to travel frequently and, and, you know, for long periods of time, they frequently do. But what happens is we have to count the number of days your travels are taking you to particular jurisdictions so that you don't end up offside in your state as being a party to that jurisdiction. So just to give you an example or a case study, Peter, we have a family um, that we met about three, four years ago, and they have a yacht that they do park actually in Portugal. And they travel from there quite often. So interestingly enough, uh, about a year ago, they decided that they wanted to go all around America. And you know, it was going to take them months and months and months. And so we talked about it because what happens is how the IRS considers you uh, a person of their country is the number of days you spend there. So, you know, there's a rule called the 183 day rule, but it's not that simple. It's actually a formula. And how it works is that they take all the days you've spent there this current year, plus a third of the year before and a sixth of the year before that and add it up to see if you're at 183 days. So the client was considering due to some licensing, maybe he would license the boat in America and then travel the seas in America. But when we did homework for him, uh, we quickly realized that that would not be a good game plan because if he brought his yacht over here um, into America, then he would have a U.S. asset and let's say his yacht is worth $5 million. Well, now we have a problem because that's an asset in the United States that we have to pay a state tax on. And we have to pay it before he transfers it even to his wife because he's not a, an American person. So imagine we have to pay 40 to 45% of the value of the yacht to transfer it to his wife if he prematurely passes. There goes the yacht. That's right. So um, he was unaware of that. And then the next thing we, we did is we did a numerical calculation out Macmillan is known not to be the best travel agent in the world. We always qualify that, Peter. But we're there to make sure people's life plans and legacy plans are attuned to what they wish for and their objectives. And if they are endeavoring to make sure that taxes are also minimized while they enjoy life, then we have to be certain we're following the rules appropriately. And especially in families that have this kind of affluence, because, you know, maybe the government wouldn't be as interested in an estate worth a million or less. But if you're worth 200 million um, they're going to stand up and take notice, obviously. So in this particular family, what happens is they're Canadian residents. And so you would think if they're Canadian residents, and let's say they spent hypothetically four months in Canada, and then they spent six months in America or five months in America, and then they just travel the rest of the world for the balance of the year. You would obviously think they're Canadian But not necessarily, because the laws will stipulate that it might be where you spend the most time in the year. And so all of a sudden, you spent five months in the U.S., only four months in Canada, and for the rest of the time you were still in Portugal, we have a problem, you're offside. So 
you know, it's not as straightforward as people think it is. And one of the things that we all have to know in this caliber is we have to log our own time because nobody's going to do it for us. So despite being very affluent, we have a little homework to do and we have to keep travel logs so that we can inventory, you know, which countries we're in. Now, the way it works is it's midnight to midnight. So we do have some people that are quite uh, strategic about this, Peter. They'll enter a country um, in the waters of that country and then they'll leave and then they'll come back the next day. And then each day does count for them to be on site. Let's say they're down in the U.S. and they come back into the waters in Canada. Now they're back on site. So it's just something that I think is overlooked often because when we're this affluent, we're very excited, obviously, that we have the blessing of being able to take on these adventures of life. But we have to give contemplation to it in the same way anybody would buying, say, a snowbirding property. It has the same caliber of rules, of course, at a much higher or deeper level of monies that we're speaking of, so the consequences are much more severe. One of the great misconceptions of an estate plan is that it only takes effect when you die. Nothing could be further from the truth. An estate or life plan is all about what you have achieved to this point in your life and how you're planning for your life moving forward. Macmillan Estate Planning staff are leaders in this area. You can find out more about the company at macmillanestateplanning.com. There's an assortment of information on what the firm does for its clients, including timely blogs on various topics you may wish to incorporate into your own plan. It's a great one-stop shop for research on the topic. And it leads nicely into one of Macmillan's upcoming seminars, where you can learn more about the process of building a good estate or life plan. The next seminars are Thursday, January 25th in Calgary and Wednesday, January 31st in Red Deer. To pre-register, call the office weekdays during office hours at 403-266-6464. Or you can register online anytime at mcmillanestate.com. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining us on The Strong Room on 770 CHQR.